The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, New York Magazine's podcast about sex. I'm Maureen O'Connor, and this week, one of our favorite guests is back, Carly Shertino. Uh, she runs SlutEver.com, and she has a show called SlutEver on Vice.com right now. Hi, Carly. Hey, thanks for having me back. How are you? I am feeling great. <laughs> are you still single? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I always want an update on that from everyone um, when like, they come and go. Yeah. Okay. I definitely have gone on dates recently, though, which I think is a good sign. Oh, good. How are you? Where are you getting dates from? Tinder? Yeah, actually. I went on a couple of Tinder dates with one person, and I was just having a conversation about whether or not people now lie about the fact that they met on Tinder. Oh, interesting. Would you lie about that? No, because I think it's like cheesy to lie, but I can't tell if we still sort of think it's not romantic. I always really wanted to meet someone on Tinder just so I could say I did, like my like ultimate person. It's funny, though, because I know so many people that sort of like lie by omission about who they meet on Tinder in that they're like, well, we had a lot of friends in common. And you're like, OK, Tinder show you that you have eight friends in common. <laughs> but those were the friends that introduced you. Right. Right. They're like, oh, you met this bar. But it's just because that's where they set. I have a friend who made up a fake story. Anyway, so yeah, some people lie. I think we should just think Tinder is romantic. Yeah. It could be more romantic than like just crashing into somebody out of the blue. (laughs) I want to interview you about that for my column. Good. Okay. (laughs) But so Slut Ever, your show on Vice is, okay, first of all, so good. What I love about the show and it's sort of the continuation or restart of the Slut Ever show that you used to do like three years ago at Vice, right? Yeah, thank you. It's basically, yeah, a few years ago, I was working with this director-producer called Adrian Murguia, who's one of my best friends, and mm-hmm. we sort of, we made this satirical sex ed web series that was sort of a silly investigation of sexuality. Like, for example, uh, the first episode was like, how do I get a boyfriend? And then I mm-hmm. interviewed my mom about dating tips, and then I got blowjob <laughs> instructions from a male prostitute. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. And we did... You know, one was called Polygamy, Lulz or Nulls. So that's sort of the vibe, the, vibe, the, the tone. You know, a few years later, we decided to make the show again and making it with Adri again. And it's just a little bit more adult, a little bit more thoughtful. But it's this a similar idea. It's an investigation of sexuality. And this time, the sort of primary focus was to humanize people and sexual behaviors that are often considered taboo or marginalized. For example, one of the episodes is about sex surrogacy and these sort of women who occupy gray space between being sex workers and health professionals. And they have sex with disabled men or people who, because of a physical disability, find it difficult to have sex without paying for it. Right. Do they have sex with women, too? Um Yes, they do. And mm-hmm. they're often male sex surrogates. But I think there are less of them. Um, and it's considered a sex surrogate purposes. if they're dealing with somebody that has like a medical reason for having issues with sex. Yeah. So surrogacy, also called erotic coaching, is ra- rather than just like showing up and having sex with someone like maybe um, an escort would. It's there is a medical component. So these people are trained in, you know, how to assist someone out of a wheelchair or, Mm -hmm. you know, CPR or there's stages of sexual coaching. So maybe in the first session, this person has never had sex before. So they've never even seen a woman naked before. So there would be stages. So like session one, we're just, you know, getting used to being naked around each other. Um, You know, session two, maybe we're doing more hand stuff. Mm -hmm. And and I think. You know, getting back to the point about showing sex, you see in this one scene this 
um, erotic coach having sex with one of her clients who's a guy with cerebral palsy. And you it is like a sex scene, but it doesn't feel, I don't think, exploitative because, yeah, you see like shots of hands and you see the backs of their heads and they are having sex, but it's not it's not pornographic. That scene in particular was so powerful because you also see and he describes how sexual surrogacy for him is often about the intimacy of being touched and growing comfortable with the idea of somebody touching you sort of for pleasure, you know, in a just we're touching because we're touching. It's intimate. And like that was actually the scene of seeing them almost like practicing intimacy that I was like, oh, that's like very like just seeing very specifically what is this type of job and what does it do? And that it occurred to me that I've heard of sexual surrogates before. I've seen documentaries about it, but I've never literally seen it happening. That's why I was excited to do this series because, you know, often what I'm trying to do with the websites, whatever, is to show another side or have a different perspective, more open-minded perspective on sexual behaviors. But it's so much easier to humanize subjects through the format of a documentary versus mm-hmm. a Q&A written, written piece, right, for example, because you just see these people and their emotions and their honesty. And there's, yeah. you know, for example, sex workers... Um, there's such a stigma around sex work. And then, mm-hmm. you know, my goal would be to for someone to watch this documentary and see how these sex workers um, are not victims and how they really enjoy what they do and how positively it affects both their lives and the lives of their clients. I mean, this mm-hmm. subject of this documentary, he talks about how it changed his life. Like, you know, he might have never had sex if it wasn't for this service called Sensual Solutions. You know, it's like mm-hmm. imagine if you just, you know, because of your disability, you couldn't ever access sex like you just like aren't you don't deserve to have sex ever for your whole life is it legal for them to do that when it's surrogacy or is are they in some like gray zone they're in a gray zone and that's why we filmed it in canada because the Mm. laws around sex work are slightly different than in america whereas in america it's almost impossible to advertise um or to have a service like that because sex work is decriminalized in canada but not here but even still it's kind of a legal gray space So I have to ask you about the male doll episode, just because as much as I gleaned so much information from it, um, that one's online so people can watch it if they want to. So what's it like to have sex with a doll? So, you know, people are familiar probably with the idea of like real dolls and kind of like dudes getting female dolls made. So Carly, of course, went to go see the people that make male dolls, which is a sort of smaller enterprise but definitely wanted by some people. Yeah. And I think it's new. And this company called Synthetics is making these like very anatomically correct five foot nine, 110 pound men made out of silicone, like with like total full body hair and skin painted to look so real. And it's very uncanny, right? Because and it looks interchangeable so real. penises, right? That's how you get yeah. them flaccid versus hard. You like yank it out and put in like the hard dick attachment. Yeah, and you can pick whatever you want. You could be like, I want an uncut like 6.5 inch dick like with or a you big could just, vein. Yeah. And you could switch it up. You're like, today is the uncut day. Tomorrow right. it's cut. <laughs> like today I'm sore. So I'm going to go with like the four inch. <laughs> Apparently like the, the one that people pick the most is like five inches, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I don't even know. I don't want to necessarily get like a, a statement about like sexuality in the world, but I believe five <laughs> inches like that's going to be about average, a little smaller than average, actually. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to have sex with someone with a huge dick. I don't want mm-hmm. like I wouldn't want to date someone with a huge dick because then you, I feel like you're constantly just waddling around. Like you can't have sex as much if your partner has a huge penis, right? The human body does miraculous things. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But how like 
realistic did the dick feel versus the rest of its body? It feels so real that it's bizarre because the silicone feels exactly like human skin. So, you know, we did this thing where um, they put it in my hand when I was yeah. with my eyes closed and I couldn't see it. And I was just like, I would never be able to tell if this was a real dick or not. That is wild. What about when yeah. it's hard? And when it's hard, it feels really real, too, because it's it even feels like because it, it feels like a dick in that the skin outside is soft, but it's hard yeah. on the inside. And so the the female dolls they make have warming components in the vagina. And oh, that, really? which now they're doing the dick, too. So we'll feel warm like a does the body human. feel warm? No, it just it doesn't feel warm. So that's a part of it. The dick feel feels real. pretty realistic. But yeah, the body, of course, what are they going to do? Was yeah. it creepy to have sex with it? Or? It's kind of creepy because, I mean, it's not my thing. But the interesting thing about it that we were sort of looking at is that, right, so everyone constantly has this stereotype, like, men are really visual and men care about how women look. Yeah. And girls are, like, super emotional and they need an emotional connection to enjoy sex. And women don't just, like, aren't just like, oh, that guy's fucking hot. I want to fuck him. But this kind of flips that on its head because, you know, people wouldn't have expected there that there would be a market for women buying these. Yeah. Basically just, like ripped sex objects to fuck uh-huh um and there is how much do they cost they cost so much money they cost like at least eight thousand dollars and with sort of customizations it usually is more around ten that's incredible i know and apparently it's like most of the dolls sell to re- super republican states where like women are that's insane yeah. <laughs> uh, it would just scare me to have a lifelike human doll that's in that like uncanny valley zone in my closet. I know. That's how nightmares begin. Was it good to have sex with it? It was hard to tell because I was in a room of nine people. Oh my gosh. The crew and then the people that like worked at the factory and all these people. So I got like pretty wasted. You can tell in the last scene of the episode, I'm like talking about what it felt like and I'm pretty much blacked out. You're really touching and experiencing firsthand. That feels like a real thing for me. You can't have this experience having sex with a person. It's its own singular, unique thing. And I've done it. And not many people can say they've done that. Oh, my God. Had you had sex on camera before? No. Or in front of, like, nine people? I mean, like, I, with my iPhone, no. Yeah. <laughs> it feels really good. I mean, it depends because it's, like, it depends what you want. Like, do you think you'd want to have sex with them? I mean, you'd want to try it, probably, because, like, why would you not want to try it? But Yeah, I think that when I imagine it, though, like, I think that, like, the creepy factor gets too in the way for me that, like, I don't think... Like, to me, it's like, I'm not really comparing it with sex, but in my mind, I was just thinking, like, is it better than masturbation, basically, you yeah. know? And then I'm like, oh, I don't think I want that. I basically, my general I don't know role, if I could be turned on with, like, a, a half this, like, uncanny human thing lying there. Like, that might not no. even be possible for me. I don't think so either. I feel like the more setup and that is involved in your sort of masturbation, the more you want to, like, kill yourself immediately after <laughs> you come. You're just like, cool, I'm just going to clean up all these tools. <laughs> like, I just can't imagine being like, cool, I'm just going to haul this, like, 110-pound thing back to the closet. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. And, like, put his dick in the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. One thing I love about that episode, I think I'm going to play a little clip. Um, One thing I love, though, that sort of gets pointed out is that when you're using sort of synthetic pretend people, you can do things that aren't possible with a real human, which is something that I always find wild when people talk about, you know, all forms of like technology affecting um, sex. And there's a clip of 
the man who invented the vajankle? Yeah. The vajankle. Hang on. Um, here, I'm just going to play it, and then maybe we can chat about it. Can you tell me about the vajankle? What do you want to know? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, how does that idea happen? Uh, this one came to me in an email from someone who has bought lots of our feet in the past. So he'd already bought the others. He had everything we already do and said, could you put a vagina in it? And I thought, I, where would you put a vagina in it? And he was like, well, I want it in the right foot. And I'd like it to be sort of in the ankle part, like on the top where it's flat. So can you do that? And I brought it to Matt. She asked me, she said, you know, this client wants, so he wants a vagina on, on the flat spot on top of the ankle. Can you do that? I was like, that's fucking hilarious. Yes, I can do that. I, immediately, I'm going to go do that right now, I think, because that's just amazing. The thing is, what's great about this doll creator is that he's so up for doing these, you know, bizarre requests. Mm -hmm. So he loves when people have kinky requests. Like, he loves when people say, yeah, can I like masturbate into a foot with a vagina on it? Also, things that got edited out of the piece were kind of interesting. Was that a lot of people asked for trans dolls? Oh, interesting. Yeah, like there's been orders for a male body with a vagina. Oh, and you know, female bodies with dick or or interchangeable. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the interchangeableness is actually kind of wild and cool in some yeah. way because you just pop it out and switch it. I know. The whole point of the show is to kind of be like, even if I don't, even if that's not my thing, I'm not judgmental of the mm -hmm. fact that it's someone else's thing. There's something sort of perversely comforting in a way when I think about it that I was like, oh, wow, at least it's not just men objectifying women, which is, I think, the way every story about the dolls of females plays out, that we end up in some sort of like weird debate about objectification. Mm hmm. And not that this neutralizes that necessarily or like invalidates any of that. A lot of these episodes are sort of female centric in a way that was surprising to me. For instance, there's the episode when you go to Japan, mm -hmm. which by the time this goes up, it'll probably be out. Or there's an episode when you go to Japan and you see all the ways that Japanese women can hire men to perform not sexual services, but sort of sexy, intimate services. Like there's... What is it called? The the handsome weeping man? Yeah, weeping boys. Literally, like you can hire a guy to come to your office and just like cry with you, like help you cry and just like cry it out, basically. Does he like hug you or he just gets there just to like get the crying going together? He so, yeah, the episode is about this. As women in Japan gain economic standing, um, they are less reliant on men for, you know, money and stability so they're staying single later and mm -hmm. as there's more single women this sort of industry of a companionship or like rent-a-boyfriends has emerged and one of the components of this is this these weeping boys and basically what they do is they go to offices and i think in japanese culture you know being super emotional is not seen as a positive thing like you're mm -hmm. supposed to be more like stoic and poised so these women need an emotional outlet so guys this guy comes and he like instigates crying by showing them like they're literally just like slideshow videos of like dogs getting hit by cars ah! <laughs> and then everybody just starts weeping together 
Yeah. Which is so funny. I remember like in college when everyone was just learning how to drink, it was like every party <laughs> there was like, once you get a certain, like at some moment, like three hours in, every single girl just starts to cry for no reason. It so reminded me of that, that there's just like some just like group catharsis. <laughs> I know. Sad drunks. It was, you know, I don't want to say bizarre because I feel like that's judgmental, yeah. but it was really interesting. I was like, I wish I needed someone to come help me cry. Like, I feel like I cry constantly at nothing. It also made me think of how many times that, say, you cry at the therapist's office or something, and they just sort of, like, hand you a Kleenex, but, like, they never hug you, or at least mine never does. And, like, not that I want her to hug, or it just made me think about the moments in which you do or don't expect intimacy, which also came up with the sheep boy who cuddled with you. Yeah, so there was there's these sheep boys who basically you can pay to cuddle you by the hour, and you know you can also do like overnight hangs, which are like PG thirteen. You know it's ambiguous because with any type of sex work, you never really know how far something will go. What mm-hmm. is versus what it's advertised as being? You know, true. Like, do you think that guy would have had sex with you if you? I wonder because like you know if you are an escort, for example, in mm-hmm. New York, you're yeah. going to advertise your services as being. I will be your companionship yeah. companion for an hour and you don't, you know, it's understood that you'll bang them if they want, want yeah. to. But it was kind of ambiguous. They say that they don't. They say mm-hmm. that they just cuddle and it's PG-13. But I, I wonder, you know. It was so interesting to me, though, that if you think about, like, what you can't get by yourself, um, it is true that, like, you know, you can have an orgasm by yourself. You know, you can... There's certain types of sex that are pretty easy to get, but somebody who will actually just like listen to you talk about like what you're scared of and let you snuggle them, like that's actually in some ways like harder to find than sex. Yeah, totally. And I think we do that in America in different ways too. Like you said, like a therapist mm-hmm. or massage. I mean, the, those are all kind of creepy. Like when you think about a massage, you just like pay someone. I know. Rub you. Like, actually, that's why I can't get massages because it creeps me out. And I, watch I don't too like much massages massage. either. I watch so much massage porn that I actually feel like I'm in a porn. Like, I can't <laughs> not think of that. I like massage porn too. Fucktard 18 is my one of my favorite porn series. Really? I don't even know what that is. Fucktard? No. <laughs> what? Fucktard. Oh, fucked hard. I was like, what? <laughs> this is so inappropriate. Oh my God. I don't even know if we can air that. But <laughs> fucked hard. Hard. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, they're in like a blue massage room. I feel like you'd recognize it. The Probably. You know what? The massage fantasy also is like the you do the like the lady lying there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's the the fantasy of just lying there and like everything happening to me. Like you had such a good time or, you know, just like it's just purely female pleasure. And you're like, it's just a pair of hands. You know, who even knows what that is? Yeah, I know. And that's the thing about like objectification. It's like people get so angry about objectification. And, you know, in pornography or in sex dolls or whatever. But it's like during sex, you want to be objectified, right? You want to be looked at and for someone to think like, you're super hot. I want to fuck you. You don't want someone to think like, oh, my God, you're like you're a whole person and I love your mind. And, yeah, you like know. there are parts of me I don't want you to think about when I'm fucking, right? Like yeah. I want you to know about where I come from in my childhood, but you will never, ever mention that when we're fucking, right? I and I don't like, need to be thinking about it either. Yeah, there are certain things that like you shut off certain things that... There's a time and a place. Yeah, exactly. And of course, being objectified by the person who you, you know, are fucking like that's that's a component of it. It's also like the moment when you get to just sort of like knock yourself down a couple rungs on the evolutionary ladder and just be like, it just feels good. Here we go. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be a whole person during sex at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to ask you, my absolute favorite from the minute I saw the series trailer is you do an 
episode about abduction fantasies in which you actually join a dom, abduct a man, and then go on to like play out his entire super elaborate fantasy. Like you get in a car with him, you have pretend guns. My very first question though is that you kidnap him from like a street corner in Williamsburg. Does this man live in Williamsburg? Yeah. He is he among like, us? Is he single? He's among us. And he was also just like cute and like 32. Because he was A, hot, B, rich enough that he could blow all this money on like that. C, I really wish I didn't say rich for B because that makes me sound like really terrible in a way. But then C, like just really enjoys women like trampling all over him and like controlling him. And I was like, holy shit, I've got so many setups for that guy. The thing is, like, post Fifty Shades, right, where, like, every basic bitch on Earth, like, has, like, a leather paddle in her bag at yeah. all times. This is a element of BDSM that I think people are largely unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. And it's basically about abduction fantasies and these people who pay doms, like, exorbitant sums of money. To, like, how, what kind of money? Is this, like... Like, thousands. Like, 10,000? I would say probably, like, two to five. Okay. Depending. So it's in two. the realm of buying a sex doll. Exactly. Actually. Each of these are investment pieces. They really are. <laughs> because they're long, right? So they take a lot of planning. And often what happens is uh, a guy will say, okay, I have a, a, I have a kidnapping fetish. I want to be abducted and tortured. But if you know exactly when it's going to happen, it doesn't work. So he'll give a dom, he'll pay a dom to, you know, plan a surprise attack and kidnap him when he's not expecting it. And then you know, often it, that takes multiple people, so she's having to pay people. The interesting thing is the reason I how I found out about this is because I used to work for a dom, right? Um, a few years ago, and we did a kidnapping scene once, and that's when I stopped doming because it was really? like it went so crazy. What? How? I didn't ask enough questions about what was going to happen. She was like, "We're doing a kidnapping scene," and I was uh-huh. like, "Okay." And um, we, sh- I show up, and the guy works on Wall Street, and she knows he walks home from work to a certain subway stop mm-hmm. and me and this other girl were pretending to be uh, tourists asking for directions and then we were gonna kidnap him and I get there and I'm starting to realize like okay we're like really close to the World Trade Center like oh my god you know what I mean like, like I feel, making a commotion there or... yeah, like I feel like there's a million police officers and the first thing I the dom says to me when I show up she's like I just want you to know that it's not illegal to pull someone out of the trunk of a car in Manhattan and I was like, what? what? And I was like, bro, like, this sounds scary. And then she, like, tried to give us fake guns. I was like, I'm not holding a fake gun. Like, we're in the financial district. Oh, my God. It was God. insane. Long story short, I pulled someone out of a trunk of a car, like, four blocks from the World Trade Center Memorial and was attacked by Omgador cover police officers. <gasps> oh, my God. Seriously? Yes. It was like, and then I was like, this bitch has crazy judgment, and I don't think I want to be a dominatrix anymore. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Okay, so first there were undercover cops that see you pulling a guy out of a trunk of a car, and they just, like— They just, like, ran up. Wait, and were was, you pulling him out or putting him in? Pulling him out. So they, we didn't get caught. Basically, we— You was, kidnapped him. You put him in the trunk. Yeah, like, me and this other girl that was having me had—she uh, had a fake gun, and she sort of put it to his side, and then we brought him down the side of an alley, and then the dom was waiting there, and she put a bag on his head and put him in the trunk yeah. of a car, and they kind of drove him around and, like, disoriented him, and then— she they pulled up outside the outside of this apartment where we were gonna like do our like quote torture session. And, you know, me and this girl's job were to pull him out of the trunk. Uh-huh. But it's like a dude with a bag on his head and we're pulling him out of the trunk of a car in like at like five PM. Oh my God. So it wait, okay. Crazy. It was First so of all, stupid. I just discovered that undercover cops could just be among us. Yeah. Much like the undercover person who likes to be abducted. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. So what what does the undercover cop do? Is he like NYPD? Yeah, and like slammed me up against like a wall. 
Did the guy freak out? The guy freaked out. And then what a kidnap fantasy. He really got the real experience. I know. And he had, first of all, he had a bag on his head. So he had no idea what was going on. I think he just like fell to the ground. And then the other thing was that the Dom's plan was she was like, if you get caught, just say you're making a student film. So I was like, we're making a student film. And they were like, you don't have Where's a camera. Where's your camera? And I was like, oh, we're just like rehearsing. Like, this is a rehearsal. Is that what? <laughs> did they let you go? They like took all of our information and took forever. <gasps> and then after that happened, the Dom was like, okay, so come upstairs. Like, let's keep going. I was like, I don't know if I'm like, what? I, I feel like I'm traumatized. I can't do this. And then she like forced me like to pee on this guy. It was like, that was, I haven't, I have PTSD basically. Wow. <laughs> BDSM PTSD. Obviously. That's nuts. First of all, second, <laughs> Obviously, the thing is, this is a rich financier who pays us to do this to him. And then the cops are like, oh, okay. I've watched enough Law and Order SVU yeah. to know that, okay, no, probably not. I, yeah. I don't know how, like, is that a better You're like, it's a sex thing. It's a sex thing. Like, that yeah. I really think you should have just been like, it's a sex thing, which would have like maybe been embarrassing, but like makes more sense. So then you return to this. So you hadn't basically done any doming type work until you participated in the abduction of this guy for the TV show. Yeah. And this went a lot smoother. <laughs> she looked like she like had her shit together, this dom. She definitely had her shit together. But she also, all, these women are like, they have no fear. Like she wanted to hold him up at gunpoint in Williamsburg by the water on Kent. And I was like, it's not a good idea to just have a gun out in the yeah. street. Like at all. Yeah. You know, you're oh just going to shot. We have to tell her um, for just like production reasons and insurance, like, guys were like, no, you can now have a gun. You can, yeah. We had guns out like in the car. And, and once we got him back to this sort of fake guns for, for those listening. Yeah. I think one of them was like technically oh, a, a pellet a, gun, right? Yeah. But no, not loaded. Yeah, not loaded. So you rush this guy, you kidnap him. Was he like, like, could you tell that like, was he into it during the when you were kidnapping him? I was, like, maybe offended because he didn't really have a boner. But I think it's, like, psychological thing. Yeah. Um, I think so, the crazy thing about so many of these dominatrix sessions is that the guys don't actually come during it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's more about fodder, masturbation fodder for later in their life or something. How long did that last for? I think that was about a couple of hours. But it's obviously edited down to, like, three minutes. Cool. I'm going to let's play that clip and I want you to we can just like describe what it is just so the listeners can have a sense. Close the door. So was this like so you guys enter this crazy warehouse full of ropes. The session started as I anticipated. You like me? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. What if I were to just get one foot closer to you? Typical BDSM activities. Restraining. Sensory deprivation and teasing. How do you fuck someone up without them showing any bruises? It became clear that the blindfold provided a heightened sense of panic and fear. Sometimes total darkness can be scarier than anything in plain sight. What was making those noises? Was that something you actually used or those are just noises to freak him out? The... Yeah, things that, so some of what, you know, there's obviously so much that doesn't go into the cut, but there was a lot of him being blindfolded, and um, she brought in this guy who had a lot of power tools, Uh and it was, you know, more about the sounds of a saw Uh or a drill when his eyes are closed. I think it's more like your imagination is the scariest part in a lot of that kind of thing. So interesting, and the fear of, like, is something going to touch me and you don't know? Yeah, exactly. 
You know, the funniest thing about also this abduction thing made me think of like how far we have to go as people like is being a human so boring of the things we need to do to stimulate ourselves of like creating these like near death experiences or like I just wrote a roller coaster last week. <laughs> I was thinking about that, which I, I love roller coasters. But like this scene him, it reminded me of a haunted house. It reminded me of wanting to ride a roller coaster and simulate something that feels a little bit like dying or just something really extreme, but doesn't actually make you die. The funniest thing about that guy is that he's like, I don't want to be in, he didn't want to be in physical pain. Yeah. It's all about, right, it's all about creating this scenario and sort of like having enough triggers that you feel like what you're experiencing is really happening. And this Dom does a lot of quite extreme scenes like that. Like she does live burials. Oh my gosh. Yeah, where she like puts people in a coffin with, I don't know if this is exactly right, but they have some sort of like breathing tube and she like covers them with dirt. Wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, and she waterboards is, people as well. Waterboarding in like is like big in the BDSM community. Wait, I actually knew that because I know <laughs> this is crazy. I know a guy who is works in politics. I'll just leave it at that. Like oh a God. staffer in ambiguous will not make any further qualifications that was into waterboarding. But I think part of it was like a curiosity thing. But then in order to figure out what it felt like to be waterboarded, the only person you would do that with is in a quasi-sexual situation. Like, how do you just ask a friend to waterboard you? (laughs) You know, this is another thing, that it's sort of, it's sexual, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, because I could sort of think of people that might think it's just fun just to feel like they're being kidnapped to try to escape. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, I just, like, all this stuff is extreme. I mean, I have a dumb friend in San Francisco and she said one of the services provided on her website is sensual waterboarding, which I don't even understand how that, that could actually happen. <laughs> I guess just like... Waterboarding with love? like Someone touches your dick while it's happening? <laughs> I know. Um, so there'll be new episodes through November. Yes. Um, and then will there be another season? Well, that's the plan. I'm yeah. so glad. It's such a fun show and so... Unique, I think, in the way it approaches sex. As much as there's a hundred billion, you know, TV shows about sex, I don't think there's anything that like uses the form of internet videos to like the full potential the way you guys do. Thank you. Yeah, and you can find it easily on the Vice YouTube channel. Yep, videos.vice.com, um, or just look up Slut Ever Vice. And just a reminder, you can always reach us at 646-494-3590. Call in with your thoughts about Carly's show, Abduction Fantasies. I really want to know about things that feel like death that also feel sexy to people. So that's 646-494-3590. Sex Lives is produced by Afim Shapiro and Alana Milner. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Talk to you next week. <laughs>